Welcome to the seventh episode of Counter Voices. These podcasts are dedicated to exploring the dimensions of diversity and its threads in order to discuss its complexities with knowledge and confidence. The objectives of the podcasts are the same as the website diversitythreads.com, which gave birth to the podcasts. Today, Jorge Prosperi and I begin to present the voices of contributors by way of poems, poetics, and essays. My name is Gloria Lapata Prosperi, and this is Counter Voices. Both of us have been waiting for this podcast because it begins to share the voices of contributors that speak directly to the backstories of diversity from their personal perspectives and experiences. On the website, there is a section called In Their Voices that highlights essays, poems, poetics, and research by the contributors. Jorge, why did you decide to incorporate this section on the website? Well, the contributors are artists, scholars, lawyers, historians, authors. These contributors possess a multitude of talents and knowledge. For example, Martina Espada, a Puerto Rican, is an American poet, a professor at UMass Amherst, teacher of poetry, internationally renowned poet, and a tenement lawyer. Our contributors are individuals that often participate in diversity workshops and conferences sharing history, current research, and artistry. I am grateful for their participation and also permission to allow me to present their works. So today we're going to begin with a work by Joy Harjo. Why did you choose her as the first? Well, we could easily dedicate several podcasts to answer that question. Joy Harjo is an internationally critically acclaimed poet of the Muscogee Creek Nation. She served two consecutive terms as the 23rd Poet Laureate of the United States, she is a writer of fiction, nonfiction, musical poetry, as well as being a musician. A personal reason for highlighting her is because I became aware of Joy Harjo during extended diversity conferences. It was at those conferences that Joy Harjo was a guest speaker and shared her poetry. One of those poems was about what she referred to as the monster she had to confront, the monster called fear. The poem is titled, I Give You Back, and shook me to the core. Also, the poem remains significant in 2022, a time when fear is prevalent among people, a fear created by contrived, orchestrated lies and extremism that threatens, divides, creates doubt, and constant anxiety. So before we get to the poem, I feel it's important for you to explain why fear is a phenomenon that's mentioned not only in this podcast, but throughout the diversitythreads.com website. You continuously emphasize the role fear plays as a dangerous physical, emotional, and psychological weapon against diversity, inclusivity, equity, and democracy. Can you provide some context as to the reasons why? Yes, and as you say, context is important. As far as I'm concerned, it's crucial. We know that fear is a natural and powerful emotion. It is a biochemical response that is brain 
based. Fear alerts us to the presence of an unknown. We carry a flashlight into the darkness, not knowing what to expect or experience. We fear potential danger or the threat of harm. That threat can be physical, emotional, or psychological. All three can be interconnected. We also know that fear can be induced and provoked. It can be used to subjugate, dominate, and control. Think of fear taking place in a domestic setting among family members who feel threatened. Fear instilled in a partner, a child, a group of people in a community being targeted, or a worker who lives with constant fear in the workplace. So how do you think fear impacts the human condition? What are the reactions to dealing with fear? I'm not a psychologist, but research affirms that human beings deal with fear by what is known as the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Those are responses, or a combination of all four. The fight or flight are action-driven, in direct opposition to the fear. We oppose, we fight, or we flee. The freeze and fawn responses are more complicated. I would pose more psychological. Now, we are not talking about the fear and apprehension that we may have before taking an exam, those butterflies in our stomach before an athletic contest, or hearing sudden noises in the night or reading a scary story. Let's be clear. The fear being discussed in this podcast and poem is constructed to intimidate, manipulate, and control. We often use the word victim and the verb to victimize, but we seldom hear the word victimizer, the assailant, the criminal, those who cause the victimization. We need to use the word victimizer as often as we use the word victim and assign responsibility by names. Victimizers should not live in the shadows of history or particularly in 2022. Furthermore, I call victimizers the engineers of fear, those whose goals are to create freezing and fawning the freezing and fawning take place when fight and flight are not possible, have failed, or are met with tragic consequences. Fawning means to act servilely, to fall into compliance, submission, servitude without question, appeasing in order to avoid the anticipated threat of violence and its trauma, a trauma that, when repeated, can be internalized. Can you please further unpack what you mean by engineered fear? The fear that we are talking about is fabricated in order to victimize and suppress. I use the word engineered in order to drive the point home that such fear is schemed, designed with well thought out intent. The fear that we are talking about does not take place by happenstance or negligence. It is not a mistake. 
The fear that Joy Harjo refers to in her poem is engineered victimization, oppression, and subordination. It is created and maintained in order to suppress and control. Um, Can you provide some examples? History provides many. Engineered fear was a major strategy used during colonization, slavery, forced relocations, forced confinements, the Holocaust, political and religious genocide, and during the Trump administration with the godless, inhumane separation of children from parents. And I would posit a crime against humanity that will continue to be pursued by the International Criminal Court. There are other examples that we face in 2022. The neo-Nazi marches and rallies by white supremacists. The rise in hate crimes since 2016. Threats to kidnap and cause harm to government officials by domestic terrorists. The insurrection on the government. Militia members showing up at state capitals and voting locations dressed in body armor and armed with assault weapons. These are prime living examples of engineered fear in 2022. I've also noticed that in some of your essays, you equate fear with self-oppression. What are those connections? I believe that living with constant engineered fear over an extended period of time can create self-oppression. That is, when we consent, we begin to normalize the fear within. We feel that we should just give up, draw inward, and silence our voice. I also believe that self-oppression is a conscious goal of victimizers because once achieved, it becomes their ultimate victory. So how is it possible for hope to be kept alive against such daunting fear? Again, history. History provides the answers. During the darkest of times over centuries, oppressed women, men, and children have not only endured the most heinous inhumane crimes, but survived because of the human spirit, capable of of resiliency beyond human capacity. In Maya Angelou's words, you may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still, like air, I'll rise. History affirms the strength and courage of the human spirit. In the words of the parable, they tried to bury us, They did not know we were seeds. Well, I can certainly say that the words that you're sharing are extremely powerful for all American citizens to ponder. However, some would say that words are intangible. What do you say to Americans that want tangible answers and consequences? First of all, we can continue the educational process that never should have stopped after graduating from high school. There are no excuses in 2022 for not pursuing knowledge that seeks credible truth. Also, voting with knowledge is a tangible action, scrutinizing the background of each candidate, be it for school board, police chief, judges, as well as state and federal 
positions. Why? Because elected officials create policies that impact the quality of our daily lives, such as health care, the environment, voting rights, and the rule of law. Also, begin learning about affinity groups outside our own, the stories of immigration and immigrants that binds all of us. Learn about their contributions and struggles to become American citizens. Learn about diversity of our own families. Each of us has a story connected to immigration. Additionally, don't think that being respectful to others is simply a matter of political correctness. For example, seek the meaning of LGBTQ+. You see, the pursuit of knowledge is a tangible process using what is called our cognitive domain, our intelligence. Education is a tangible force that cuts through ignorance, prejudices, biases, misinformation, and engineered fear. Let me touch upon another domain, the affective domain, our emotions. Some would consider the words that I quoted by Maya Angelou as emotional and therefore intangible, but her words carry the force, the power of how we fight fear, how we maintain resiliency, resist with perseverance, and go forward with courage and hope. Therefore, I would suggest the ultimate goal is to consider seeing each other as human beings through those two major lenses, the cognitive and the affective domains. This is what I feel it means to see each other with emotional intelligence. That is, to see each other without having reasons to engineer fear or having to face a response to fight, flee, freeze, or fawn. Imagine, Gloria, tapping into the power of both human domains, our minds and our hearts, merging together. Sounds wonderful. (laughs) You also mentioned that Joy Harjo's poem is used during diversity conferences and classrooms to provide reflection on our own fears. So I would imagine the poem can be very therapeutic. It was for me. The poem I give you back is Joy Harjo's anthem to exposing and countering fear. I feel that the poem provides a generic answer to all people who have been victimized and to those who face multi-generational trauma, that trauma that among Native people is called a soul wound that lingers through the ages. It is truly an honor to share this poem with our listeners Let me state that our reading does not do justice to Joy Harjo's voice, her musical tonality and native cadence, and therefore I urge listeners to hear the poem in her voice that is available throughout the Internet. And now, I Give You Back by Joy Harjo. I release you, my beautiful and terrible fear. I release you. You were my beloved and hated twin, but now I don't know you as myself. I release you with all the pain I would know at the death of my children. You are not my blood anymore. I give you back to the soldiers who burned down my home, beheaded my children, raped and sodomized my brothers and sisters. I give you back to those who stole the food from our plates when we were starving. 
I release you, fear, because you hold these scenes in front of me. And I was born with eyes that can never close. I release you. I release you. I release you. I release you. I am not afraid to be angry. I am not afraid to rejoice. I am not afraid to be black. I am not afraid to be white. I am not afraid to be hungry. I am not afraid to be full. I am not afraid to be hated. I am not afraid to be loved. To be loved. To be loved. To be loved. Fear. Oh, you have choked me, but I gave you the leash. You have gutted me, but I gave you the knife. You have devoured me, but I laid myself across the fire. I take myself back, fear. You are not my shadow any longer. I won't hold you in my hands. You can't live in my eyes, my ears, my voice, my belly, or in my heart. My heart, my heart, my heart, my heart. But come here, fear. I am alive. And you are so afraid of dying. The poem requires pause to reflect, deal with the legacy of our own fears, past and present. And our society so desperately needs to find relief from those who promote fear through division, violence, and extremism. As always, though, the arts tend to provide a safe place to rest and exhale. This poem is a constant reminder that poetry is such a powerful voice and force. Any final thoughts as we move towards the end of the podcast? My hope is to encourage human beings to combat fear by finding their power of influence within family, community, workplaces, and as voters. Find your voice and release it. So we end this podcast with special thanks to Joy Harjo for being a contributor to DiversityThreads.com. The next podcast continues to present other voices by way of poetics, poems, and essays, always keeping in mind the goal to provide language and tools in order to engage in discussions on diversity without fear. As always, sincere thanks to Alan Contino, executive producer and chief engineer of Delirium Networks, and to Nancy Gage and Anthony Baez for the graphic designs on the website and podcast. And lastly, our thanks to each of you for joining us. I'm Gloria Lapata Prosperi, and you have been listening to Counter Voices.